Welcome to SEC Unfiltered, home of the best SEC content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sports entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports. Pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of, they have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews as well. Guys, so many fans and listeners of SEC Unfiltered have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Well, so again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from SEC Unfiltered sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Chris, I appreciate you having me on the program. I'm trying to make sure that I'm not too close to the camera and get the glare that's coming up. So I apologize that that glare is coming up. I'm going to try to block it as best as I can. (laughs) Uh, But happy to be on the show with you, buddy. Yeah, man, for sure. So let's dive right into it, Dave, and talk about this game last night. You know, I know obviously Texas A&M, I thought, 
great effort in the second half for a team that was shorthanded. You know, we, we all saw on social media and heard about the number of players they had out. Marcel Reed had to step in after Jalen Henderson goes down on the first play of the game through for 361 yards in that ball game. Uh, obviously, Ali Gordon, Allen Bowen, o Bowman and that Oklahoma State offense, it was a little bit too much. But what did you see from Texas A&M last night in the Texas Bowl? Anything positive to take away moving forward that that Mike Elko can take as a as a positive going into 2024 and beyond? I think yesterday was a microcosm of how the season has gone for A&M, right? Um, a lot of games you felt like they're about to get blown out, right? And yet they have a chance to win these games on the final possession of the game. But that's not good enough at Texas A&M or any other place, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that just felt that that's kind of been the vibe here for a while. Like the Ole Miss game, it could have been a blowout like that. It was a play away from being a blowout, yet A&M had a chance. And, and last night it, it started that direction down 24-6. to six. Uh, And I look at Marcel Reed. That is a, a real thing of optimism because, Chris, I'm sure as a broadcaster you know, like, you ever been thrusted into a broadcast situation where you weren't mentally ready, like it's supposed to be your turn? And like, you've done it your whole life, but you haven't like mentally been taking that A rep, right? Like you're not the guy who normally hosts a show or whatever it may be, or whatever walk of life. It is not easy to walk into that environment. And AM had to have it had it happen several times with Max Johnson, with Jalen Henderson, and then last night with uh, Marcel Reed. So I, I think that is optimistic. Um, I think the defense being as gutted as they were found a way to be effective. Yes, you're exactly right. Um, Ollie Gordon got his, but his 118 yards workman like effort, right? Like it wasn't like he, he had three or four really impressive Ollie Gordon runs, but for the most part, I thought A&M's defense did pretty well against him with all those walk-ons and all those dudes who were freshmen who hadn't played it before. No moral victory, disappointing, uh, but if it closes a chapter on the Jimbo Fisher era of being, you know, really close, they were really close in 2020 to being in the playoffs. I think they should have been, but they weren't really close uh, in 2021 when they went eight and four to being a 10 and two team, uh, two plays, one play in two games changes that entire season last year at five and seven. What happens if you just freaking make a play against App State and what that does for your team. And then this year, a lot of that as well. So I say that to you, it's the end of the Jimbo Fisher era, even though he had, he'd left seven weeks ago. It's the official start of the Mike Elko era from a football perspective, a culture perspective. And I think that is something certainly to build on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, David, we talk so much about the running game and Ali Gordon. He's the headliner for Okie State. But, really, it was the passing game, and I thought the secondary for A&M that, that struggled so mightily. Rashad Owens and Brennan Presley combined for 26 catches in the game and over 300 yards. Is, is secondary a position of need for A&M moving forward, do you think? Was it just an off night? What did you see? I, I know that I was just looking on social media. It looked like secondary has been something that's been, been giving Aggie fans fits all year. Well, your two starting cornerbacks didn't play, right? So you had freshmen out there and walk-ons out there, right? So that, that's part of the problem. Secondary has been an issue the entire season. Uh, I think safeties are in a pretty good spot. Damani Richardson didn't play because he's, he's going to the NFL. Uh, Bryce Anderson had a nice game uh, as a safety, and he's definitely one of the best players on that defense. But, yeah, no, secondary has been a problem. If you go back to the Miami game, you go to the Alabama game, you go to the Ole Miss game, you go to last night's Texas Bowl, it seems like wide receivers have career days against that AM secondary. The difference yesterday was they weren't able to put the pass rush that they had been able to do for most of the season. They weren't able to completely stop the run game, which they did for the most part outside of the Tennessee game and a, and a couple others. They did really good stop in the run. They struggled on third down, something they were really good all season long, right? So I say that to you. Um, in that, you know, look, that is an area of concern, an area they got to get better, and I think they will get better. Uh, they've already got, gotten Will Lee from the portal, uh, Kansas State cornerback, who's going to be an upgrade for sure, uh, but they still got a lot more holes to fill. This is going to be a process. This team is not that far, but you never know in today's college football world, right? Like with the portal being as active as it is, you can lose your chance and you can gain your chance in a moment. David, before we talk about Mike Elko and, and break him down and what he means for Texas A&M, I want to go back because the last time that we had you on, we had a conversation about Jimbo Fisher and his job status in the future. And, you know, you were really adamant that you thought, hey, the buyout's too much. There's no way to make the move. What's the last couple of months been like for you? Were you surprised when it happened? Obviously coming after a win against Mississippi State. And then, of course, you guys – going through a coaching search, you know, there's names popping up left and right. I remember watching college game day, and it's this guy's rumor for the job, that guy's rumor for the job. And then it came back to the hire that I think made sense all along. But how surprising was it for you over the last couple of months when the Jimbo Fisher firing took place and the coaching search began? Not that surprising, even though I was surprised before. I wasn't surprised the week it happened. In fact, we knew it was going to happen. Uh, but I'll, I'll use a line from Billy Lucci, right, um, who, who's our executive editor, our co-owner. Those donors, those folks who have pockets, that they're fans too, and they get sick of stuff too, right? And there was a point when, when we all lost hope, right, and everybody has that moment where like, I don't think it's going to ever work out. For me, it was probably the Miami game this year, and then maybe the Tennessee game. Right. Those are the two moments like this is the same. I've seen this story for the last three years. It's all the same. Everybody had their own moment. And for those donors, I think the Ole Miss game was the final one because 
what Lane Kiffin had said about your program, what he had said about uh, your players, what he what he had kind of what he's doing right now, taking and by the way, all the props in the world for taking advantage of NIL. But all the things that he was talking about, he's taking advantage of right now. So props to him for doing that. But that game was personal, I think, to the fan base and to get as close as they did. And yet we all kind of knew the result. Like when you know the result, like last night, that was a typical AM game. Like we're going to do enough to be right in it and then not make the game winning play. And the way Ross Bjork described it was we were stuck in neutral in the left lane, right? You can't be stuck in neutral in the left lane in the SEC. And when fans are giving up hope, when players are giving up hope, um, you had to make the change. So while, yes, the astronomical number, 76 million, um, you know, it's still embarrassing, to be honest with you. I'm still shocked it didn't work. Not because I think Jimbo Fisher was an awesome coach, but I've seen other coaches not as qualified as Jimbo Fisher win, right, and win a lot. Uh, look, Sark, uh, Steve Sarkeesian is having an amazing year at Texas, right? Coming into this season, he was a 500 coach. Jimbo Fisher was a national championship coach who had gotten this team, you know, on the brinks of making the playoffs. But you cannot not only be stuck in neutral, you cannot um, – have an offensive line that has regressed each year and gotten every quarterback who plays, including last night. That's not on Jimbo, but it's on the offensive line culture. Every quarterback you've had play for the last three years has gotten hurt. That's ridiculous. Calzada got hurt. Haynes King got hurt. Max Johnson has gotten hurt twice, right? Connor Wegman goes down for the, like, so all that to say, I'm giving you a long answer, but it's basically to say, uh, I know what I wanted. I would. I wanted to move on. But I also think it could have worked if he wasn't so stubborn. And when donors lose hope, money appears. And although the the program saying the athletic program is paying for it, so uh, but you want that money elsewhere. You want that optimism to go to NIL, to go to buildings and whatnot. And and that's how we got here. David, I think you made a great point as well. Donors are just fans with influence, and yeah. like you mentioned, they all have a breaking point as well. Um, to the coaching search again, it was, it was kind of all over the place. Topsy turvy, the, the March Stoops thing happened. It looked like he was about to take the job and he comes out on social media and says something again, tons of names were rumored to take it. And Mike Elko always felt like one that made sense. And it seemed like it worked out the way it was supposed to your, your thoughts on how the coaching search went and then landing on Mike Elko, uh, just how that played out in college station and thoughts where it landed, if you will. Well, look, I think most fans are usually excited with a coaching change. I'd never seen fans like who were so anti Jimbo go so anti Mark Stoops. Like that was, and he, and Mark Stoops, by the way, I think would have been a very effective coach here. But it didn't inspire folks, right? Like it didn't inspire uh, Mike Elko, feels like one of us who went out on his own. Like I, we've all had jobs where maybe, well, not all of us, but a lot, a lot of us have had jobs where you come in at a certain level and you're looked at at that level. Mm. And the only way you're going to move up is if you leave. Well, that's what Mike Elko did. And he went to a place that traditionally doesn't win. And he won nine games there, right? And this year, if not for the injury to Riley Leonard, who knows how good they end up doing, right? They, they, were, they were good. This guy learned how to be a head coach. He is a tactician. He commands respect. And I think he's, he's, he feels like the right fit. Now, all of us, media fans, fall in love with names, right? Like, I want a name. And while I was interested in going, you know, 
with the Washington coach and Arizona and Jed Fish. And like those names all were like kind of sexy to me in some way, shape or form or, oh, hey, I don't know, Ohio State, maybe they don't want to make a change with Ryan Day. Like all those, they all are sexy names. Jimbo was a very sexy name. Mike Elko just makes sense for what this program is about because he understands the inside and out. Um, And I think from all indications, look, we don't know how any of this ever plays out, right? But from all indications, he's going to be a player's coach, disciplinarian with a system and organization. And and that's what I think has been missing. And also I think his offense that he'll bring with uh, with Colin Klein will be a little bit more evolved than we saw. Jimbo was stuck a certain way, and I don't think Mike Elko is going to be stuck in a certain way. David, I ask this just because my curiosity kills me. How close was Mark Stoops to being the next head coach in College Station? And was it the fan pushback, do you think, that led to that not happening? Or was it all just rumors that he was going to take the job? Like, how close were we to that? I think he would have taken it if, you know, I know that there was there was reports out from the Kentucky side that now nah, he wasn't going to take it, but I, I, I believe he was going to take it. I think, let me see how I want to phrase this because I don't know the answer to be honest with you. Mm. I know it was close. I was told two days before it was going to happen. Don't be surprised if it's Mike, uh, Mark Stoops. And um, I do think the fan pushback added to it, but it wasn't just fan pushback. I think it was donor pushback, right? And a reevaluation. See Mark Stoops, is very similar to Mike Elko, defensive-minded, has accomplished more. But he does kind of represent Jimbo from a defensive point of view. Older, um, has been nice, and has done some really nice things. But we kind of feel we know his ceiling. We don't know the ceiling with uh, Mike Elko. And, I, and I, again, being one of our guys, I think, made a difference in that whole thing. So, look. I think Ross Bjork was very interested in, in hiring Mark Stoops. There's, there's, there's a reason it was reported that it was close and it was probably going to happen. Uh, but I think after reevaluation and then talking amongst those that matter, they're like, you know what? The right option has been right in front of us since day one. He was always one. It always felt like Mike Elko was 1B in all the conversations. Ryan Day, Mike Elko. You know what I'm saying? So uh, from that respect, I, I, I feel like uh, it was always in front of them. And it was, the, it was a hire that two years ago people were like when he left for Duke. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back to be our head coach one day. SEC Unfiltered is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. 
And so, David, on the note of Mike Elko, obviously listening to him last night during the broadcast talk about we've got to get Texas A&M to, to where it should be, which is competing for titles. And Ross Bjork, obviously, I thought mentioned that. Did a great job talking on that. What do you feel Mike Elko most brings to Texas A&M football, both in the short term and the long term? Because obviously it feels like the Aggies have everything in place to be a, a top contender, whether it be this SEC, the new SEC. They have the, what it takes to be a top contender in college football. I think he brings organization. And he bring, and he be, uh, he when you hire a coach, typically, not always, you go opposite of what you just had, which sounds weird considering Mike Elko was Jimbo Fisher's defensive coordinator. Like, oh, he's from the Jimbo school. Well, he's also from many other schools, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think he brings a younger approach, a more evolved approach, and organization. And bringing in Tommy Moffitt to be his strength and conditioning coach is a grand slam. The strength and conditioning coaches with those players more than anybody else. And they set a tone early. And if you haven't seen Tommy Moffitt's act before, like what he did on pro days, putting out signs, these players have not been to practice and calling them out with pro scouts coming in the building. If you haven't seen that side of Tommy Moffitt, what he did at LSU, you should go check it out. There's a tweet floating out there about him. Um, I, I think he brings organization. He brings class and he brings hope. And more than anything, Players need hope. Fans need hope. Donors need hope. And, and, and along with that, I don't think he's going to be too stubborn to evolve. David, to your point, without hope, you have nothing. Hope's not a strategy, but you have to have it to some degree. So speaking on that, you know, the conversation moves to year one and the expectations, what have you. I mean, what are the expectations for Mike Elko looking at 2024? And I know this is way too far ahead yeah. with the portal and so much can change, but – you know, I, I know that folks in College Station, they see what's going on in Austin. They see what Texas is doing. How much pressure does that put on Mike Elko to get things get things going in a hurry? And obviously, you play Texas next year with them joining the SEC. What are the expectations at all top programs? I'm not saying A&M has arrived to there, but the expectation should be 10 wins or busts. That should be the expectation. Should be for an opportunity to get into the college football playoffs every year. That should be the expectation. Now, how long does it take to get his culture in place? Does he fill some of the gaps that we talked about uh, through the portal? Is he able to get a couple cornerbacks? Like, I don't love doing like predictions and stuff like that, especially at this point, because there's, there's too many unknowns. But if you talk about expectations, the expectations for Texas, for Texas A&M, for Auburn, for Alabama, for Georgia, uh, Ole Miss now. They'll expect and Ole Miss, by the way, you look at their schedule next year, they better be 10 and 2, right? Like, I mean, with all that talent that they're going to have and that schedule. So the expectation should be 10 and 2. Um, and yeah, is there a little bit of pressure because what's happening in Austin? Sure. I think we all know that doing that in the Big 12 is different than doing that in the SEC. There's no university. If you, there's Vandy, and they're going to get Vandy next year. Uh, and, and they do have a tough schedule. I keep saying that they don't have it. I don't think their SEC schedule next year is ridiculous for SEC standards, but they got Georgia on their schedule. They got Michigan on their schedule. So, yes, they, 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 they've got some games. But I guess my point is life in the SEC is hard, as we all know, and is real quick to go from that hot team like South Carolina was. Like, I can't – South Carolina, they're a 10-9 win team this year, a 9- or 10-win team, to having the year that they had, right? To maybe being that team that, like, ooh, look at Arbor kind of turning it on at the end of the year. Oh, and then they have the big hiccups too, right? So – it's, it's, a, it's a hard leap. 
it's a very hard league. I think Texas, by the way, is very well positioned for next year because recruiting with an SEC by your name for the last two years with the Big 12, Big 12 schedule has allowed them to be where they are today, and they have a legit chance to win a national championship this year, not just because they're in the Final Four, but I like their matchups. Like I just, you know, they're playing at a, at a, at a very good level. Uh, but expectations for me are what they are, man. They, you, they, anything below 10 wins every year is going to be a disappointment. Can I – can I be like, okay, I get it. I see why they won nine. I can see why they won eight. I can see why they won seven. Sure. But my expectation is that's the kind of program that this fan base deserves. And that's the kind of resources that they have. They just got to get it right. Speaking of the transfer portal and recruiting, David, just really quickly, what's the latest on Aggie recruiting and portal? Obviously, signing day just happened. The portal has started to slow down a little bit. I know in a coaching change, right, it's – Really, really difficult to put a put a class together of any kind, right? I mean, you, you don't don't have a whole lot of time to build any sort of relationships or anything of the sort. So, uh, do you feel like there are some difference makers in this twenty four class, and and maybe coming from the portal? I know, unfortunately, A and M has been gutted from the portal. We just saw Walter Nolan. You mentioned Ole Miss; he just committed over there to Lane Kiffin and company. But uh, is there any relief coming? You think in this signing class, whether it be high school ranks or transfer portal? Well, let's take that part first. A and M gutted by the portal. They've got less people in the portal than Georgia. Like, I'm, Georgia's got 18, A&M's got 17. Uh, A&M's lost a lot of – they've lost two five-stars. Uh, they've lost starters, which is where it hurts more. But I, I guess my point is, who is like, – Texas is in the freaking playoffs, has 10 guys in the portal. The other teams have three or two. Texas has got 10. Um, so, yeah, they. I mean, these – are sometimes I'm not saying that is an addition by subtraction, losing Walter Nolan. I would much rather have Walter Nolan than not. Right. I would much rather have Evan Stewart than not. But those guys were part of a team that just went 12 and 12 in the last two seasons. I would love to have seen what they can do with a different coach. Right. Uh, But I want, after seeing what has happened with that 22 class, I want more Anaya Smith's more Torian York's Right. Three-star guys that are, oh, they're actually five-star guys, right? I don't want, in, in this NIL era where people are, are, are coveting the likes on Twitter and the drama behind maybe going in the portal. Dude, if you want to go in the portal, adios, we'll see you later, right? Like um, A&M has to address some, uh, some areas. They've got to address the, the secondary. I, I, I mentioned the Will Lee guy that they picked up from Kansas State. I'm, I, we're, we're excited about him. They need another couple guys there. Um, the, the, the recruiting class, I think, considering the last two years, they did a really nice job. I think rating-wise, if you go by stars, they were in the top six, I think it was. Uh, Dalen Evans could be a, a difference maker right away uh, when you look at some of those players. Uh, they picked up the, the Florida trio, Solomon Williams. Looks like he's going to be a really nice player as well. Isaiah Williams, the wide receiver out of Tampa also. Uh, Kendall Jackson out of Florida. Those are names that I think you need to watch out for as quick as next year. They're still waiting on Terry Bussey to decide if he's going to go to AM or not. Uh, some people think he might consider Texas. Dominic McKinley uh, as well. So those are uh, names to watch out for. But my, my hope is the right coaching and a healthy Connor Wigman. Because Connor Wigman, even though they did lose to Miami, Connor Wigman was playing out, out of this world when he before he got hurt. So mm-hmm. – with Colin Klein and Connor Wigman together, uh, I, I think with some of the pieces they have together, if they can figure out, there's two issues they have to figure out. They got to figure out the offensive line, and they got to figure out the cornerbacks. 
Uh, and that may not be figured out in one season, but you can sure get closer. David, before we get you out of here, let's move to the hardwood. College basketball season's upon us. SEC slate will get going here in a couple weeks. Buzz Williams' team sitting right now at 8-4, and four, the four losses to fourth-ranked Houston, a pretty good Memphis team, Virginia, and 19th-ranked FAU as well. Some people will just look at that record, though, say 8-4 and four in non-conference. What's wrong with the Aggies? They're going to get it going. Your thoughts on Buzz Williams' team? Do you expect them to turn it on an SEC play and be right at the top of the conference yet again? Disappointing to be eight and four, right? Uh, disappointing, regardless of who's in and out of the lineup. But they have two starters basically out, okay? Julius Marble will probably not – we don't know what his situation is, but he's a starting forward for this team. He has not played a single play, okay? Um, something to do with the university. They handle it. We don't know what the status is there. Boots Radford, Tyrese Boots Radford, their second-best scorer, um, has missed significant time after a contusion to his chest, right? He has not played. That is – Wade Taylor's right-hand man, right? Um, and Wade, now all the defenses can focus on Wade Taylor and, and, and try to limit him and shut him down. That's been a concern. They've lost to some really good teams, an FAU team that went to the Final Four. We all know Houston's accolades. Going to Virginia is a hard place to go play, right? They are, And you know what they're going to do? They're going to slow down the pace. They're going to play a great brand. And Memphis is, is up and going, right? They, they've got some talent out there. Penny's doing a great job. You asked me, do I expect for better things to happen in conference play? I do. Um, the SEC is kind of interesting this year because I, I didn't think it was that good a couple weeks ago. And now I look at it like they're all like nine and three. They're all eight and four, uh, except for obviously Ole Miss, who's dominating in Mississippi State looking really good. But a Buzz Williams team pretty much every year, except the COVID year, gets better as the season goes on. Last year, they had a worse non-conference with an easier schedule. And they went 15 and uh, is it 15 and three? They went. I think they went. I think they won 15 games last year mm-hmm. in conference play. Um, that was not expected, right? They turned it on the year prior. They were losing, losing, losing. Then they go on this huge win streak at the end of the season where people thought they'd make the NCAA tournament. They go to the NIT, they go to the finals and they lose. So yeah, I think they'll be better as the season goes on. I hope they get some guys back. Um, but I do know that Buzz's system sometimes takes a little while to get clicking and uh, they'll be better. I don't know if they're a 15 win team in the SEC better, but they'll be better. And I think eight and four considering the situation, Not ideal, below expectations, but they're not that far off. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. David, 50 days until opening day. It's hard to believe college baseball is around the corner. Before we get you out of here on a fun note, describe to us a game what it's like at Bluebell Park. I've just watched from afar, never been in person. I'm a huge baseball guy myself. Definitely on my bucket list to take in a game there. But the venue, the setting, the traditions, I feel like it really makes A&M a really cool place to watch a game. Well, you know, all the accolades you hear about Kyle Field, you know, 100,000 just going crazy. You know, even when this team has nothing to play for, um, you can say that about going to Olsen, right? There's a magic to Olsen. Magic happens. The bubbles happen. Um, the, 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 the fans really get into the opposing team and the pitchers. And like, it's just – it is an awesome atmosphere. And more than anything, going there, knowing you have the right coach to lead you, makes that experience so much better, right? Like, 
you can have an awesome venue, but if you don't have hope, that venue maybe lose a little bit of the luster. There's hope. Jim Schlossnagel, we feel we'll win a national championship at AM. That's that's the feeling. Like it's just it's not it's not if, it's the when feel to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the same kind of Mike Elko stuff I told you about. You got Schloss who's been doing it for a couple of years here. I will give this pro uh, this university this. They have done some really solid jobs with hires. Buzz Williams was before Ross Bjork's time, solid hire for a, a, a place that Fastball sometimes becomes forgotten. Softball with Trisha Force. She's turned that program around. Jamie Morrison with volleyball. Uh, Joni Taylor with women's basketball. The golf programs are phenomenal. Like, so they've made some amazing hires there. Uh, but Schloss and going to Olsen, just like nothing else, man. It, it, it is a cool environment. And if you're a baseball purist, you want to watch baseball sitting in those stands, taking it all in. Uh, on a cold March, April day, and uh, just watching that Aggie baseball team play some great baseball. There you have it. David Nuno, Tex Ags, does a fantastic job talking all things the 12th man. David, appreciate you taking the time. Have a happy new year, my friend. Let's definitely do it again soon. You got it, brother. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. (laughs) 